Welcome to the Pikes Peak Christian Church Sermon Podcast. Happy Father's Day. We're so glad that you're with us today. We've been in a series that started last week about the, um, the elements that God uses to help us grow up spiritually. And last week we looked at divine encounters, those times where we come before the Lord in His presence, like this, worship service. And we want to make the most of those times. And in order to make the most of those, those times, you have to come with the right attitude. So we looked at a passage out of the book of Revelation and learned that worship is, is intentional, that we actually plan times in our life when we worship. It's different from going to the, to the zoo or to the park or to the grocery store. This is worship. We call it a worship service. And in that service, we're intentional. We get absorbed with Jesus. It's focused on Jesus, who he is. We wouldn't have a reason to gather if it weren't for Jesus. And so we make him the focal point. It's not about what pleases me, what I like or don't like. It's about what's fitting for Jesus, what's honorable to him, what is he worthy of. We become expressive in our worship. We, we not only worship with our voice, we worship with our eyes, with our hands. Sometimes we clap. Sometimes we raise our hands. Sometimes we, we may even have our feet engaged, and we may dance a little bit, and, and we may play instruments. There's a lot of different ways to worship, a lot of different expressions. And so we learn to express ourselves passionately in worship, And then finally, we learn that worship is surrender. We lay things at the feet of Jesus. Here's what I found. The more you release to the Lord in worship, the more then you have room to receive. You release, and then you receive. The more open you are, the more often you'll hear God's voice in the sermon. That's why we preach after we sing, so that we can open ourselves up, and then our hearts are in the right place to receive. And so I pray that your heart is ready to receive today, because today we're going to look at another subject that's very critical in our spiritual growth decisive moments. Those are points of time when we actually make a decision that changes the whole direction of our lives. I look back on my life and there have been a lot of decisive moments. When I decided in high school I was going to start attending a youth group, that was a big decision. It was through that, that group that I found the Lord. That was another big decision, accepting Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I went off to college, decided to go to a college to learn more about the Bible, changed my life forever. I learned friends um, I heard God's voice calling me into ministry. When I was uh, at an internship down in Arizona, I met a young woman, and uh, we fell in love, and I made a decision that I wanted to marry her. And fortunately, she made the same decision that she wanted to marry me. So we've been married 27 years. It's changed our lives forever. Um, while we were down there, we heard a, an invitation to come to Colorado Springs to work with a church, and it was one of those moments, either we'll stay where we are or we're going to go. And we went, and we came here, and it's changed our lives forever. So those are decisive moments. For some of you, it might be giving up smoking, giving up drinking, drugs, pornography. It could be a decision to get married. It may be a job decision. It could be a decision to lose 40, 50, 60 pounds. There have been people in our church who've made decisions like that. Some of you have made a decision to tithe, to say, God, I'm going to trust you with 10%. We're going to do it. We pound a stake in the ground from this point forward. We're going to live differently. And what I found in my life is when I make those decisions for the Lord, it changes everything about my future. Now, a lot of us in this room have something in common, us guys in particular, and that at some point in our lives, we decided to become a dad. Now, I don't mean we fathered a child. I mean we decided to be involved in that child's life, to be a dad. I've been privileged to have a son and a daughter, and I'm so blessed. There's, there's not another title I wear next to husband that, that warms my heart as much as hearing my kids say, Daddy. And I think all you dads would agree, that's such a sweet sound when our kids say, Daddy. I don't care how old they are. There's nothing like the name Daddy. And so it's for you dads that we play this video. Watch these screens. 
Let's celebrate our dads. Dads, I want to say to you, I have been watching the dads in our church, and there's so many of you, um, some of you are granddads even, and you have been pouring into your kids, you've been loving your kids, you've been making up for lost time when you didn't live for the Lord, and you've made changes to, in, to invest in your kids and teach them about the Lord. Uh, we had a couple granddads baptized the last service. It's never too late to, to give an example to your kids and your grandkids that you love Jesus. So um, it's going to be a great time today as we uh, give ourselves to the Lord. Now, there's a couple today. I think they're in this service, Jim and Laura. If you're here, come on up. Are they here? Okay, here they come. Um, Jim and Laura uh, adopted a little girl from Latvia. It was a long process of getting to bring this little girl home. And so uh, today's a very special day because um, really for the first time in her life, this little girl has someone that she can call daddy. And so we're going to introduce to you, this is Jim and Laura Kusamano, and this is their little daughter, Fiona. And um, that's the name they gave her because she has a really complex Latvian name that I'm not even going to try to pronounce. And so, uh, Fiona, can I have you for just a moment? I want to say a blessing over her from her church family. So, Father, thank you for this little precious one. Lord, you tell us that you love the orphans. And here's a little girl, and I don't know her story, Lord, but it doesn't matter what her past story was. She has a new story. I thank you that she has a mom and dad who are going to love her, who are going to reveal you to her so that one day she can be introduced to a heavenly father that loves her, that made her in his image. So we just dedicate her to you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Congratulations. Thank you. Well, it's been, a, it's been an exciting day. A lot of people today. We had um, 33 people baptized today. 33 people. Some, just some really cool things have been happening today. It's a, it's a day of decisive moments. Here's what a decisive moment is. It's a choice today that changes tomorrow. A choice today that changes tomorrow forever. That puts you on a new path. And we're going to look at some um, characters from the Bible, who made a choice like that. And you know, sometimes you have time to plan for those decisions. Other times, they're just, like, they're just presented to you. You didn't even plan on it. And that's why I think today, some of you didn't plan on today being your day for a decisive moment. But God says, no, today is your day. Today is a day that you get a chance to make a choice that will change tomorrow. Wouldn't you love that? So let's open our hearts in prayer as we prepare to go into God's word. Father, thank you. Thank you that you give us that opportunity, that even today, on a day when, you know, we celebrate a holiday that, Father, sometimes just passes without a whole lot of significance, that today would be a life-changing day for many in this place, Father. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Three stories, just little short stories of people who met a decisive moment. The first one is a lady named Ruth. The story of Ruth, and by the way, there's only two books of the Bible named after women. There's Ruth. And Esther. Esther was a Jewish queen, or she was a Jewish lady who became a queen. And then Ruth, who wasn't Jewish. That's what's so ironic is she has a book of the Bible named after her. But here's her story. A couple in Jerusalem, or excuse me, a couple in Bethlehem named Elimelech and Naomi had two sons. And during a famine, they moved from Bethlehem to a region of the country called Moab, which was kind of a pagan land. They didn't worship the same God. And while they were there, the two sons married two girls, Orpah and Ruth. And by the way, Orpah 
was supposed to be the name of Oprah Winfrey. But they got misspelled on her birth certificate, so she became Oprah. So there's Orpah and there's Ruth. Well, Elimelech dies. Ten years later, his two sons die. And so his wife is left with the, the two daughters-in-law. And she tells them, hey, things have changed back in Bethlehem. We're gonna, I'm going to go back there because God has blessed the land. And you ladies should just stay here. Stay in Moab. Find yourselves new husbands. Worship the gods that your people worship. And the lady said, no, 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 we don't want to do that. But Naomi insisted that they stay. And so Orpah decided she was going to stay. And starting in verse 14 of Ruth chapter 1, it says, As they wept aloud, again, Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye, but Ruth clung to her. Look, said Naomi, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and her gods. Go back with her. But Ruth replied, Don't urge me to leave you or turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if even death separates you and me. When Naomi realized that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped urging her. Ruth begins to glean in the fields. Gleaning was a way to go and pick up the leftovers from the harvest. It was required of God's people to, to not harvest everything so that the poor people could then, uh, pick up the leftovers and take care of the needs. So she was doing that, and she was being observed by a man named Boaz, who noticed that she was a hard worker, she was a woman of great character, and that she didn't go chasing after the men. And he eventually married her. Now, they had a child, a little guy named Obed. And Naomi, the grandmother, loved helping to raise Obed. Now, Obed grew to be an adult. He got married. He had a son named Jesse. Now, you don't know Jesse probably, but you will in a second because Jesse had seven sons when he got older. And his seventh son was a young shepherd named David who became the greatest king of Israel, who became the key figure in the line of Jesus and who affected all of the nation of Israel forever. A decision Ruth made to stay. Her mom said, you can go. You've got good reason to go. Go be with your people. And Ruth said, no, no, I will stay with you. I will, I will stay wherever you stay. Your God will be my God. Your people will be my people. And her choice to stay changed everything. It was a choice that changed tomorrow. Sometimes God puts us in a place where you and I have a choice to leave or to stay. And sometimes God says, you need to stay. You need to stay in that job. I know you don't like it. I know it's hard. But I'm working my will out. I'm, I'm refining your character in this job. Don't you quit. Don't take the easy way out. Sometimes we may be in a relationship. I've known people in a marriage. And some of you may be in this place where you feel like, you know, Pastor, it's not what I intended it to be. Our marriage is worse than you think it is. And I'm about ready to throw in the towel. And God may be speaking to you today. And he may be saying, stay. Stay. Trust me in this. Follow me. Surrender to me. I'm going to heal this marriage. I know couples in this church even today who said years ago we were ready to call quits and we stuck together. And I look at where we are now and how close we were to losing that. But God took us through that dark time and he's put us in a beautiful place now all because we made the choice that we were going to stay. Maybe that's the decision that God's calling you to make. The choice today would change tomorrow. Another character is Peter and his decisive moment. It, it came while he was fishing on the lake of um, Gennesaret. 
Jesus was calling disciples to follow him, and these disciples would be the, the, the ones who would lead the church when he launched it. So he was out picking up guys to follow him, and he, he comes to this lake where Peter and then some of his friends, James and John, are fishing. They're, they didn't catch anything all night. They're fixing their nets in the morning, trying to, trying to make sure they don't lose fish. You know, they just really want to catch fish. But Jesus is preaching, and he starts to preach out of Peter's boat. And then he turns to Peter and says, hey, put the boat out into deeper water. Let the nets down. And Peter knows, we're not going to catch anything. You're not a fisherman. We are. We've been out all night. We haven't caught anything. But because you say so, we'll do it. Well, Peter dropped the nets, and when they began to pull the nets in, you wouldn't believe this. They were so full of fish, the nets began to pull apart. He called James and John, guys, bring your boat out here. They brought the boat, their boat out, and it says in the Bible that they put so many fish in both of the boats that they each began to sink. Peter could not believe this miracle. He was astonished. And when we turn to uh, Luke chapter 5, Verses 8 through 11, it says, When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they'd taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on you will fish for men. Now listen to what they did. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. They didn't go home and think about it. They didn't didn't process the invitation. They didn't weigh the pros and cons. They left everything. You guys want the boats? They're yours. Following this guy. Where to? I don't know. But if he can do that with fish, he can do it with about anything he wants to. I'm trusting him. And they left. Now, Ruth stayed and was blessed. Peter left and was blessed. Sometimes God says, it's time to leave that place. It's time to leave that job. It's time to leave that town. It's, it's time to leave because you're too comfortable. And I want you to be on an adventure. I want you to do something that's more significant for the kingdom. So, Peter, you've been catching fish. How'd you like to catch men? And so when we get into the book of Acts, we'll look at it a little bit later. We find Peter preaching and people coming to know Jesus, and truly he becomes a fisher of men. The other story is actually found in the book of Acts. As Peter and the others are ministering, the gospel is is carrying out to greater and greater regions. It leaves Jerusalem, where it's been centered for the first few years, and now it's gone into Samaria and Judea. And men and women are coming to know the Lord. They're having demons cast out of them. They're, They're being healed, and they're hearing the gospel and being baptized. Well, at that time, there's a man from Ethiopia who's been in Jerusalem. He's not a Christian, but he he he's very attracted to God. And on his way back from Jerusalem, he's in his chariot reading a scroll from the book of Isaiah. Now, I find it hard to read in a car. I can't imagine reading a scroll in a chariot. But he's going along reading this scroll, and he's confused. He doesn't understand. He's in what we would call a 53rd chapter. They didn't have chapter numbers then, but he's in the section where it says, he was led like a sheep to the shearers. He was silent, did not open his mouth. At that same time, God brings Philip, a disciple of Jesus, along the road to Gaza who meets the chariot, sees the man reading the scriptures and says, can I help you? And the the Ethiopian eunuch says, I'm reading this. I don't know who it's about. Can you help me? And it says right there, Philip began to teach him the truth about Jesus, the good news, how he died for our sins, how Jesus was buried and raised, how he ascended into heaven. Well, this man cannot believe it. For the first time, he's understanding this message that all these other people are believing 
And so in verse 36 of Acts chapter 8, it says, As they traveled along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, here is water. What can stand in my way of being baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. I find it very interesting that the the eunuch saw water and said, Hey, there's water. You were telling me about this gospel thing and that those who accept it surrender and get baptized. I want to do that. Why can't I do it? He says, you can. So they stopped the chariot, went down into the water. He was baptized. You know, I find today oftentimes in churches, people asking kind of an opposite question. Why should I be baptized? When we should be asking, why shouldn't I? Because Jesus said, go into all the world, make disciples of all nations. First thing, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. It should be the first step of obedience of someone who's surrendering to Jesus as Lord. But somehow along our lives, we We get confused about it. We put it off and we debate it and we're not quite sure what we should do with that. I remember when I was dunked in the water. We went into the water. I was baptized and came up out of the water. And the joy there is in surrendering to Jesus. You know, baptisms are fun here. We had a bunch of baptisms this morning and there was cheering, there were tears, there was celebration. I mean, it's an exciting time in this church. It's spiritual, but it's an exciting time, isn't it? Here's some pictures of some recent baptisms. Tell me if these people aren't happy. It's hard to get John to smile sometimes, but we freely, but that was a good moment to get John smiling. Now, it's an awesome experience when we see people surrender to Jesus. So he went on his way rejoicing. That's what happens when you make a decision for Jesus. What's required for a decisive moment? I think there are three key components. Number one is that you understand the power of a decision. That God has given you power to make a decision to change your future. See, a lot of people have this view that A script has been written for them, and they're just kind of playing that script out. It's called fatalism. There's nothing I can do about it. This is the way it was meant to be. Que sera, I can't do anything about it. That's fatalism. I don't like that view. That's not the biblical view. The biblical view is that faith can change your future, that you can make decisions based on faith that'll that'll become a fork in the road. You'll go down this path instead of this path. Faith is the power to choose Jesus. And so you and I are given, it's, a, it's, it's such a privilege that we have to choose to trust Jesus. You have that power in the palm of your hand today. It's in the power of your tongue. It's saying, I choose Jesus. I believe in Jesus. I trust Jesus. In order to make those decisions, we often put a lot of thought into it. We weigh the pros and cons. But if you're like me, sometimes you need to just stop thinking and stop debating about it and just have the courage to do it. When we're trying to buy something big as a family, you know, my wife and I will look at you know, a car or an appliance, a TV, and I like to look at consumer reports, and I like to evaluate what works and what doesn't work. You know, I like to say, what, what are the reviews saying about this? I want to ask all the questions. I want to have all the confidence we're making the right decision. But you know, there comes a time where you say, enough. Enough studying. Enough questions. Just pull the trigger. Right? 
Just pull the trigger. Just do it. You got you to gotta sometimes pull the trigger. You can date people and wonder, I wonder if it's going to work out with this guy or girl. I, I wonder if, how the marriage will be done. You aren't going to know until you get there. At some point in time, you say, okay, we're going to step out in faith and do this. So you have to have courage to step out and just do the thing God's asking you to do. I remember the day I was baptized. I went to church. I came in late. I was a single guy. I'd worked all night the night before. I was really tired. And, and I sat right in that very first seat right there. And as the, the pastor's preaching, it was a really boring sermon out of the book of Galatians. That's all I remember, out of the book of Galatians, but it was boring, and I was falling asleep. I remember I was falling asleep because a guy elbowed me next to me, like, you shouldn't be doing that during the sermon. And I said, I'm so tired. So um, I was falling asleep. And then it got to the invitation, and, he, and the pastor said, if anyone wants to accept Jesus or be baptized today, you're invited to come forward. And for some reason, my heart started to pound wildly. And I was saying, like, Lord, no, not today, not today. I promise. I've been thinking about this, but I, 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 there's a good, I, I, I promise I'll do this on a different day, a better day, not in front of all these people. And it got worse. I thought I was going to have a heart attack. So I just had to go forward. And it was easy because I just took one step and I was there. I just took one step, I was forward. I got baptized that day. When, when you feel that call, when you hear God calling, don't fight that. Just surrender to it. Just say yes to it. And then, thirdly, trust God with your future and everything else. Because you don't know how it all is going to play out. You just know that at every point of the journey, when I'm challenged to trust God, I will choose to trust him. Do you think Peter knew how his life would turn out? Do you think Peter knew how hard it would be to follow Jesus? Do you think Peter would know that one day he would be executed for being a believer? He didn't know all that. He just knew. I can trust Jesus today. I'll trust him tomorrow. I'll trust him the next day. I'll continue to trust him. Did Ruth know how her future would turn out? I don't think so. But she knew that trusting the God that Naomi worshipped was a good thing to do. All I can tell you is this. It is never a bad thing to trust Jesus. If you're making a decision based on faith, I can't help but think our Heavenly Father is very pleased with that because without faith, it's impossible to please him. So if you're stepping out in faith to trust him, I think it's a very good thing. There's a lady uh, in our church. In fact, after last Sunday's service, she said, you know, I was baptized in the Catholic church, sprinkled as a baby, and God's been kind of speaking to me lately, and, and it really helped me to think that maybe I need to be baptized as a believer. You know, I was in that position because I was baptized in the Methodist church. And it wasn't so much that I had to be persuaded to be baptized. I just needed to be permitted to be baptized. Some of you just need to know that. You know, your parents had good intentions when you were baptized as a baby. But the Bible makes it very clear that faith must be connected with our baptism. It is a statement of faith in Jesus Christ that we believe. In fact, here's what baptism means. Three simple meanings of baptism. One is it is a statement of faith in Jesus Christ. It's faith in the gospel, that Jesus died for our sins, was buried, and was raised. It's so much a statement of faith that it's embodied in the actual act of baptism. You are buried. You are raised because you believe that Jesus was buried and that Jesus was raised. You're identifying yourself with that truth. It's like a bodily confession of the truth. We don't baptize people into Pikes Peak Christian Church. We don't baptize people into a denomination. You're baptized into Christ meaning it's about Jesus. It's about your relationship with Jesus. That's why we do this. Not because the church says we have to. It's because Jesus invites me to. It's a statement of faith in him. We call it believer's baptism. We don't baptize real little children. 
Now, we will when they come to the age where they make a decision. And we actually had some kids baptized today because they were making their own profession of faith. That's required of us. And we baptize the biblical way, which is to go into the water and under the water. In fact, the word baptize means to dip, plunge, or immerse. When I was in, um, in grade school, my dad used to buy Lipton, or, uh, excuse me, Nest Tea iced tea. It was this can of powder drink. We didn't drink soda. We had iced tea for, for our meals. And I remember a, a Nest Tea commercial showed a person jumping uh, off the ledge of a pool into the water, and it just said, take the Nest Tea plunge. And I see baptism a lot like that. You are, you are leaving the edge, stepping out in faith, and say, God, I'm all in. Every part of me, my hands, my feet, my head, every part of me, I'm giving over to you. It's not just a piece of me. I'm just not offering my heart to you. I'm giving all of me to you. Use me for your glory. It's a statement of faith. Baptism also is a surrender of control. You cannot baptize yourself. You have to let someone else baptize you. You cannot save yourself. You must have someone else save you. There's nothing we can do to save ourselves. We surrender to Jesus, who is our Savior. In a very similar fashion, when you're baptized, you surrender yourself to someone else's hands, and they baptize you in the water and lift you out. It's this statement of kind of passive surrender, like, Jesus, I'm going to quit the fight. One of the reasons many of us don't get baptized is because we want to do it our way, at our time, on our terms. What we're saying is, I want to be in control. And God says, uh-uh, it's not how it works. You've got to surrender control. I think that's probably the most critical issue you and I deal with. Who's in charge? And baptism is a beautiful way to say, you're not in charge. Because you can't do it. You've got to surrender. Baptism is a statement of surrender. It's also a spiritual bath. There's a lot of imagery in baptism with the water. Water isn't, it's not special water. We didn't import that from Jerusalem or, or any... Christian bookstore, it's just regular water, but water washes you. And the symbolism is that God washes our souls spiritually. If you want to get technical, with the blood of Christ. But he washes the sin away inside of us. That's why when the apostle Paul found the Lord, a man named Ananias came to him and said, Arise, be baptized, washing your sins away, calling on his name. Wash your sins away. I love that picture because you know, you know how you feel when you come out of the shower, just this clean feeling? That, that's, that's the feeling spiritually you have because a lot of us have dirt in our lives, filth, shame, things, we, things we're embarrassed about, things we wish nobody knew about, things we wish we could erase. But the Bible says that God actually washes that. He doesn't just forgive it. He washes it away. So it's no longer part of our lives. Isn't that beautiful? Some of you need to be washed today. You need a spiritual bath. Jesus wants to give one to you. Some of you might be thinking, oh, pastor, I'd like to be baptized, but I, there's a few things I need to clean up in my life. You know, little, uh, some little things that I do I shouldn't be doing, some little habits I, I, I have, little things I struggle with. Let me tell you this. You can never clean yourself up enough to be worthy to be baptized. It's, the, it, it's, it's so important you realize you don't have to clean up yourself to give yourself to Jesus. You come as you are with all your dirt, all your mistakes, all your failures. You come as you are. He washes you. You cannot wash yourself clean. So don't even try to. Surrender to him. Let him clean you. Baptism isn't for those who have it all together. It's for the broken, the sinful, the struggling. Now, you may have a lot of questions going through your mind today as you think about this. Like, like who can be baptized? 
doesn't matter how old you are or what, whether you're new to the church. Or, let me tell you this. It doesn't matter if you're a first-time attender, if you've been here 20 years, 30 years. You can be baptized. You can be, you can be a, a teenager. You can be a child. You can be an 80-year-old person. We had grandpas baptized last service. It doesn't matter how old you are. What matters is this. You believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sins, that he was raised from the dead, and you repent of being your own boss in your life, and you surrender to him as Lord. And say, Jesus, I, don't, I no longer want to chase the things I'm used to chasing. I no longer, don't want to run after sin anymore. I want to run after you. You are my Lord. And if that's your heart, your candidate to be baptized. What if you've been baptized before? As I mentioned, some of us were baptized as little babies. Technically, because faith wasn't involved, your faith doesn't even count as a baptism. Because biblically, you have to believe and be baptized. Belief comes first. And so you, you might be at a place now where you say, well, pastor, I do believe now. My parents, when I was a little boy, wanted me to grow up and love the Lord. And when I was in high school, I finally came to the place where I said, you know what? I love that God you told me about when I was a little kid. And I gave my life to him. And there was a point in time where I made the choice to make my own statement of faith in being baptized. If you're baptized as a little child, and maybe you did it because your friends did it, that could be the wrong reason. But if you did it for the right reason and maybe you drifted away through the years, now you're coming back, you just need to repent and return to those vows you made, kind of like in a wedding. You don't have to be remarried when, you, when your marriage hasn't been the best. You just say, I'm going to recommit to the vows I made to my mate. You just need to recommit to those. Do I have to do it in front of people? At least somebody you have to. <laughs> At least one person. But you know what? Let me ask you this. When someone gets married, aren't they proud to stand in front of people? I was at a, we were at a wedding yesterday. It was so great to sit out and watch this couple. They were so proud to stand in front of everybody and say they love each other and that they are committing themselves to each other till death parts them. Why in the world would we not want to share with our church family the fact that I want to be surrendered to Jesus? Why would I want to do it privately, you know, middle of the week when no one's here? Now, you can do that if you really want to. But why would you want to when you can celebrate, have people cheering for you, celebrating with you, hugging you, praying for you? What an opportunity to celebrate with our church family. Don't I have to learn more, Pastor? There's a lot of things I don't know about the Bible. Baptism is a starting point, not a finish line. It's a statement saying, I want to enter into this relationship in a deeper way, and I want to continue to learn all through my life. So I'm still learning how to be a good Christian. I'm still learning how to be a good husband. doesn't mean I have to start all over. It just means I, I, I'll always learn. But I know enough to commit myself to that thing. What if I'm afraid? I'm afraid of water, crowds, or talking. If you're afraid of water, we've had people terrified of water. Terrified. But I, I promise you this. We have never lost anyone in that pool. <laughs> never. Never. Everyone that's gone under, we brought back up. And, and if you go in there, we're not going to lose you. And it's only for a few seconds. So it doesn't take that long. What, if, what, if, what about standing in front of people talking? Here's all you have to say. I do. Two times. Do you believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins? God raised him from the dead? I do. You proclaim him today as your Savior and Lord? I do. That's it. You don't have to give a speech. Now, I hope that... Through the day, through the week, through the rest of your life, you'll talk a lot about Jesus. But I know you're nervous. We're not going to make you give a speech in front of everyone. But you do have to speak. If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord 
and believe in your heart God who raised him from the dead, here's the promise, you will be saved. What will I wear? That's a really good question. You don't have to wear anything. But we prefer you do. Okay, we prefer you do. In fact, we're not going to baptize you unless you do wear something. I'm just telling you. Um, We went out. We got a bunch of shorts. Nice shorts that we'll have for you to wear. T-shirts. T-shirts with our church logo on front. And a great picture of a baptism on the back with a verse from Romans. And you'll get to keep this shirt. It'll be yours. When you come out of the water, we wrap a big fluffy towel around you and dry you and celebrate with you. We have changing rooms. We have several people on our staff and volunteers in the church who will meet you, who will take your information down. We'll be taking a picture of you. You may say, well, my family's not here. My friends aren't here. If God's speaking to you, don't put it off. We've got cameras that'll take pictures of you. We have a video camera in the back that's recording every service. We'll make sure that the people that you need to inform will know about this. But if God's speaking to you, this is, this is primarily a thing with you and God. And it's never a bad thing to say yes to God. You know, you might have other questions, but I hope this would be your, your biggest question. Pastor, that looks like water over there. Can't I be baptized? Yeah. Yeah, you can. And you can be baptized today. Remember Peter? Peter on the day of Pentecost preached to a crowd of thousands upon thousands of people. For the first time, he got to present the truth about who Jesus was and how he was raised from the dead. And that day, the Bible says that many responded. In fact, it says in Acts chapter 2, those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to the number that day. That day. A choice was made that changed tomorrow forever. I don't know why we get hung up on, you know, why do I have to be baptized? We should be asking, what can hold me back from being baptized? It's an opportunity more than an obligation. It's the opportunity to let the world know I love the one who died for me and I surrender my life to him. We've had, like I said, 33 people today step up and say today's their day, their day. Today is Father's Day. I'm going to have all of you stand right now because dads, I want to put out a challenge to you. Go ahead, everybody stand up on your feet. There's nothing greater to communicate to your family and to your children in particular than to let them know that you love Jesus more than anything, that you are surrendered to Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. What a great statement on Father's Day. And today is ultimately our Father in Heaven's Day. It's his Father's Day. When Jesus was baptized, there was a voice from heaven saying, this is my beloved son with whom I'm well pleased. If you want to put a smile on your heavenly Father's face, say yes to him today. So in just a a moment, we're going to invite you to come up from all over this place to come down these aisles, come walking right down here. We're going to take you through that side door. We're going to be cheering for you as you come or take you behind. We're going to get prepared and we're going to have a bunch of baptisms. Isn't that going to be an awesome celebration today? What a Father's Day. Thanks for listening to today's message. Be sure to join us again next time.